Hey everybody, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast. I am so excited to bring you today's conversation with our featured guest, Brad Acock. Brad is a friend of mine and he serves as the development director of New Church Starts for the West Ohio Conference of the Methodist Church. Really long name, but what it means is that Brad creates new places for new faces. He's a a serial spiritual entrepreneur, and if you've ever wrestled with the question, what is next to my faith walk, you are going to resonate with Brad's conversation so deeply. He shares his story going from civilian to someone who's in full-time ministry and eventually moving his family across the country to follow God's call. I mean, that's a big move. You're going to love it. He shares his heart. He shares what God's doing in West Ohio. And uh, I think you'll resonate in a lot of levels, no matter where you are in your faith journey. I also want to say thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the podcast, to share the podcast, and to tell people about it. It means so much to us. It means so much to me. Uh, We would not be where we are today with this uh, little pet project of mine if it weren't for all that you do to share it. So if you know of anybody who needs to hear this conversation, I invite you to share it. And in the meantime, here's my conversation with Brad. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Reclamation Podcast. I'm excited to bring you today's conversation with Brad Acock. Brad, how the heck are you, man? Hey, good morning. I'm good. Honored to be here. Thanks. Now, um, Brad, you have a, uh, a special role in our in our conference. And if you're not familiar with Methodism, the way it works is we've kind of got an overarching kind of connection is what we call it at the conference level. What is your title at the conference level? Kind of what do you do? So the United Methodist Church is made up of conferences, which usually represent states uh, in larger conference in larger states like Ohio, where there's a lot of Methodist churches. We have two conferences, and so um, Missouri, where I'm from, had one, so we had one bishop. Ohio has two. We have two bishops. Each conference usually has staff um, that shows priorities in the particular uh, conference and context. Uh, my role is the director of new church development. I like to say kind of evangelism, right? Right, reaching, you're like reaching our community, outward so. facing. How, how do we get the word out? What's that look like? So that has to come with a certain amount of pressure, given the reality that most of us know that the um, church predominantly in the United States is in decline in a lot of places. And so your job is to kind of come in and save the world. Yeah, no pressure. Not no, no, it's pressure. fine. It's fine. People do that all the time. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> but I, I look at it as the greatest opportunity that we've ever had. Yeah. To give birth to something new, not just in the UMC, but church in general. It's I love it. We're, we're, someone recently said they describe the state of the church um, as being pregnant. Pregnant. And I was Ooh. like, that's pretty good. You yeah. Know? I mean, we, you, not that we could totally relate to that, but you have, you have pain, you have struggle sometimes, but... You know, certainly I've been uh, through pregnancy with my wife and there's a lot of there was I mean, I was. Yeah. 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 No, we can't. We can't. So um, let me ask you this. Given the the pressure and the nature of your job um, and the fact that it's through the lens of faith, how would you describe your personal relationship with God? Um, I I'm here today because of a new United Methodist Church. I was out of church for 15 years. And so. Um, grew up in a Baptist church till I was probably 12, um, small town, Missouri, um, dropped out, just didn't really see value and purpose in it at that time. Uh, started dating a, a girl who now is my wife. It's always the girl that gets I us am. there. <laughs> um, and she said, I want to take you to church with me after a month of dating. And I, was, I said, okay, what kind is it? And she said, it's United Methodist. So I was like, in, in Southeast Missouri, you think South, you think Southern culture, Southern mindset, closer to Memphis, Tennessee is where we were. Not a lot of Methodist churches there. Sure. It's not a Methodist, it's more of a Baptist culture. And so didn't know a lot about the UMC because I hadn't seen a lot of, uh, of UMCs, you know, vibrant. And so I was like, sure, I'll go. I like you. Yeah. So I walked through the doors of that church, though, and I encountered God, truly encountered God like I had never encountered God before. Wow. Um, for the first time. and. It was about a 10-year-old United Methodist Church. Uh, it's now the largest Methodist church in Missouri. I had the privilege of, of the pastor, the planter, being my mentor, brought me on as a campus pastor, joined the staff there. And so it was just life-altering for me. Uh, 
that was in 1998, really October, I think October of 98. Sure. From that point forward, um, God started just doing some crazy things inside of me. And um, So I think that's an interesting thought that we should chase down a little bit because there are probably a lot of people listening who are in jobs that aren't in the church, who are in jobs that are, are just, um, maybe they're entrepreneurs, maybe they're business leaders, maybe they're in tons of military people who we know. Um, how did you get from where you were, and maybe tell us where you were, to uh, all of a sudden you're now a, a campus pastor? I mean, that's that feels like a, a big jump. I had a couple of businesses there in Missouri. My brother and I had started an agriculture business, and we were very fortunate uh, to be successful in that. And we were invited to do global work with other governments, and that was, that was crazy enough. Um, and so during that time is when I met Anne, took me to the church, started falling in love with Jesus more than ever. That business, the marketing business, really was taking off and growing. And so my faith was really taking off and, and growing. And so I started seeing it through the lens of, um, you know, God has entrusted me with these these 25 people that I was leading at, at, at the company. Sure. Uh, and so how can I be a good steward of, of my leadership? And so what could be a greater purpose for this particular business and so uh, i had the staff we had a customer base of over six thousand people uh, nationally and so um kind of started shifting my focus on just instead of building the pocketbook as the primary uh, goal just building relationships with people and getting to know them better and so got really close with a lot of customers uh, with our staff just trying to take care of them uh, could always have done better if they're listening, <laughs> they worked a lot of hours for us. I'm grateful. What, what, um, so what does that look like? What's one, what's one practical thing that you can do to build a relationship with a customer or somebody on your team or whoever? What's, I mean, what's a, put some so, hands on it. Great, great question. You always have to be careful in the corporate world with staff, right? Right. Um, so we would just be very intentional about meals together, Thanksgiving meals together. Uh, people could offer to pray if they wanted uh, you know, their their option, uh, honoring family time, um, just really, you know, we had some people that have gone through struggles, rehab sure. and that type of thing. And so trying to be very supportive with that. Um, did you uh, guys have an intentional culture? Like, um, did you, did you name it or did it just kind of happen out of love? We... We came up with a mission statement okay. um, at some point. It said to glorify our Lord by being faithful stewards of all that has been entrusted to us and to uh, be a positive influence to all those we encounter. Wow. So it was kind of an internal, external. It wasn't perfect. No. I mean, I, that, that business really, honestly, it grew so fast, we didn't know what to do in the beginning. And so I'm not. it was just out of control. I said yes to everything. We did printing, we did marketing, consulting. We were everywhere, and it, it, it took its toll on some Everything, of Everything, right? <laughs> um, but for, for as far as the our, our customers go, just spending a lot of one-on-one time, getting to know them, worked with superintendents, worked with principals, worked with Fortune 500 companies, really just being having that intentional presence of listening, working on that skill of listening, um, and so also understanding as my faith grew, becoming a disciple, I realized that, you know, paid staff at a church, it's less than 1% of the world. Yeah. So when we talk about our beautiful mission statement to go and make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, um, we have to, you know, my, my perspective expanded. Uh, it probably went from, yeah, the church is the hope of the world. We've got to go out together and and serve and that's true that's one component but really where the the change happens is when you're when CEOs or when salespeople or when teachers or when bankers or lawyers when they personally invest in people that they serve they they lead they manage they have authority over maybe or uh, just work with when you personally invest in people and uh, not invoke your faith but just when you let them see the values, let them see Jesus in you, that's really where the life change happens. 
uh, I use David Taylor, the CEO of Procter & Gamble, as an example. Yeah. United Methodist here uh, in Cincinnati Church. He's the CEO of one of the 80, top 80 most innovative companies in the world, okay? Of course he's United Methodist. Of course he's United Methodist. Um, we, we have a heart for that. Uh, type of thing. So, but he is really, you can see a lot of his fruit of his um, faith utilized and, and lived out in his job there through the values of Procter & Gamble. I mean, he really has a clear vision for where he wants to see this company and this world uh, go to. And so when we started spending more time with the church, the little small Church Bloomfield, Missouri. Yeah, your plant, right? Your church plant. No, this was a. Oh, this was the actual church. Okay, got it. This was a small town church in Bloomfield. I was lay leader there um, at some point, and and started spending a lot more time at the church than we did at the business. Business was self, kind of running itself, or at least we were hoping it was. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Said every small business owner (laughs) everywhere. (laughs) Um, And so, just started spending a lot of time and, and. pastor there, uh, Susan Hoyle, uh, was new 2006 probably, and she came in and she invited me in to do a lot more of the things that I was able to do in the business. And that church started, thanks to a lot of faithful leaders, that church started growing. And um, so we started praying and visiting other churches and seeking wisdom from mentors. And my prayer and my wife's prayer was, God placed me where we can make the most impact for your kingdom. So did you know at that point in time that you were called to the church to, to no, lead in the no church? Way. No, no you, you were still like, I'm going to still have my business and be that. And then I can also serve the church and just live in both worlds and do it well. Yeah, because I, I still today, I still feel like the impact happens out, yeah, there. out there. Right. Um, so I prayed then I, you know, I had growing business. We had our best year ever when we sold it. Um, didn't need to sell it, didn't have to sell it, wasn't looking to sell it. Um, we had our best year of revenue that year. So, so why did you sell it? Um, so we started praying, you know, God, place me where I can make the most impact for your kingdom. Place us where we can mo- make the most impact for your kingdom. That was our daily prayer. And we also did the Wesleyan Covenant prayer, too. That was a dangerous prayer, right? Yeah. And so, um, so we would just pray that every day and have open hands and so be it if if, if it's in the corporate world we're, we're going to surrender that and accept that and so it was Pastor Ron Watts church planter of LaCroix that I mentioned in Cape Girardeau we had been going to that service they had a Saturday night service two Sunday morning services probably averaging 1800 people at that point wow big church probably 2500 now yeah um and so he was, we'd been going to Saturday night service and then going to Bloomfield on Sunday. That's probably a sign there that yeah, something's happening. Yeah, it's, like going to church. <laughs> you love church that much, you're wanting to spend your Saturday night and Sunday morning. Yeah. Maybe that's a sign. If you're listening out there and you're wondering if God's calling you into vocational ministry, if you love church that much where you're spending it, spending a lot of time there. You may need to. Now, did, did Ann uh, love church that much too, or did she just love you that much that she was going with you? That's a good question. I'll ask her tonight. Um, I'd say that she loved it too because we yeah. got involved in small groups. It was really a transformation. And now, any kids at this point? No. So, uh, going through the 2000s, um, we had the company 2008, sold the business. Um, probably about 2006 is when. I met with my, who eventually became my mentor in ministry is Ron Watts. He was a planter of, of LaCroix and just started talking through things with him. And so he, we're having a lunch one day and he said, Hey, come with an open mind today. Uh-oh. I didn't know what church plan, I didn't know anything about church planning or. That, that's like secret church language too. If anyone, if you're listening and anyone ever tells you to come with an open mind, they're about to, they're about to wreck your world. I use it all the time. So don't be afraid. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he said, come with an open mind. And again, I, I didn't think ever think of LaCroix as like, it was 10 years old then. And so, um, didn't really know the difference between a new church and an old church and didn't have that perspective really at that point. 
Um, I just knew that there were very few probably that were as large as LaCroix uh, in, in our area. Yeah. In the state. Ended up being in the whole state in Methodism. So he said, you know, you've started businesses, you're entrepreneurial. We'd like to for you to consider joining our team. And so um, that was a big deal for us. And so it was like, yeah. I use I, I use the example as like the, it's like the uh, little kid growing up in Kentucky and the Wildcats were growing Or let's, Ohio State football, right? Yeah, but, but yeah, sure. A lot of Kentucky fans where I'm from. And so that was kind of the, the basketball was the king. And so, um, so one thing led to another. We just started praying that God would open the doors. And so I talked to my mentor who also eventually ended up hiring me later, Jeff Posgate, family friend from a long time ago, pastor. Um, he just gave me some things to pay attention to, and one thing led to another. Someone made us an offer on our business, and we spent six months just really discerning that, uh, if that was God or if that was us. Yeah, so, so tell me, what what is that? Because I think there's probably... Somebody listening right now who's discerning God's voice in their life. And I think a lot of us get mixed up between God's voice and Chipotle. And that sort of thing happens, right? How would you say, if, if you're sitting in front of me and I'm like, Brad, I think I got this life-changing decision. How, how do you know if it's God? That's a great question. In 2000 and, you know, 2008, 11 years later, there's probably some maturity with it. Um, I would say when we were presented with the opportunity to come to West Ohio um, from Bishop Palmer. And we, first of all, you and I probably are both talented. We can probably manufacture opportunities, right? Sure. Um, probably didn't get to where we were in business and life without being able to make things happen at some point. So at that point, I, I didn't make that happen back then. I didn't make this happen here. It was not manufactured by, by me or family. It was like, oh, really? Clearly something um, that you had no control over and really no no plan for. Right. So it felt as if God had thrown it in your lap. Yes. Good. So I think that would be one thing that I would say is, is, it, is it coming from us or is it coming from outside of us? So can you hmm. can you answer that? Um, and then the second thing is, I learned and just working in business in church, I, I always operate with a sense of urgency. I'm not advocating for that. Um, if you're planting churches or even revitalizing churches, uh, I'm evangelistic enough to, to, to let that drive my pace of we've got to do something. You know, people need hope. And so um, being part of the last church that I served, uh, First, you know, see Sykeson, where we had explosive growth, started a couple of new worshiping communities, new campus. Um, it was it was five years of going from really stagnant and decline to being named one of Lifeway's fastest growing churches in America. I was tired, and so after that five year mark, um, I probably wasn't in a space where I could clearly hear hmm. God speaking, not with the audible voice, but just like through people, through books, through worship. And so my wife and I took a, then we took a, a like a three week, I won't call it a sabbatical because my mentor said that's just a long vacation. That's not a sabbatical. Um, <laughs> so we really had to, my first day of that sabbatical, um, again, I was just ready to kind of leave some things alone, continue my work in Sykeston, but uh, the next season there and got a call from West Ohio hey, we would like to talk to you about this again. Um, it's like, you caught me at a vulnerable time. You know? um, <laughs> I'm not sure so, how I feel about this. <laughs> uh, so we actually gave ourselves that three weeks we... Did you put West Ohio on hold until the three weeks were over, or did no, you start the conversation? That was probably early in the three weeks, and then uh, we just started listening to people. Got it. Uh, we started, visited some churches on vacation, some, some churches in Memphis. We traveled there. Yeah, I actually, I call it the Council of the Godly. And there are people in my life who serve on this council and they don't know that they're all connected in my head. Yeah. But in my head, it's like this round table of like, well, I'm not going to A until I get the council's 
the majority of the council's vote. And they don't know each other. They probably will never meet. But in my head, they're all there. I like that. That's a great, that's a great way to describe it. Um, for us, it was people we didn't even know. It was just like we would. Oh, these are like prophetic words almost. We were worshiping in a, a, a church in Florida on vacation. And we're like, ah, we're checking our mail. <laughs> uh, then we were in a church in Memphis. Like, ooh. And then uh, other we had, we had some property excuse me, that we were going to build a new uh, business on when we had that business. It got sold. So just a lot of things. It's just like dominoes happen. were falling in place that you clearly didn't have control over. Yeah, it was it was one thing. So I would say that if you're really in a discernment period, I, I'm no expert at it. I don't want to pretend to be. I stumble my way uh, through it. Uh, God seems to get my attention when th- that needs to happen. But I'd say summarize that you you've got to have space to hear the voice of god Hmm. if you're always working andy stanley says if you're always working in it you can never work on it i think that's a good lesson for life whether you're in ministry whether you're in the corporate world whether you're just in the rat race of life if you're always working in it you can never work on it and so too far in the forest to see the trees sometimes so you got to kind of retreat so that you truly can hear what God may have for you next. And we can clearly say no and ignore it, but um, to truly hear that, I do, I do encourage people, if you've got big decisions in life, you need to give yourself space, give yourself some quietness so that you can truly hear. That's awesome. So That's um, awesome. So then, so then you move to Ohio, and because I, I do want to hear some of your thoughts on uh, the future of the church. You, you moved to Ohio mm-hmm. to do new church development. And if I were to describe it, um, you know, I've heard you say it before, creating new spaces for new faces. That's um, a way that we often talk about it. How, how, um, how has your view of church changed since stepping into the role as someone whose sole purpose is to create new spaces for new faces? I think coming here, it was a new position. Mm. Um, and it hasn't really been done much around the country, right? Like, it was fairly innovative. You think about the UMC, um, we we have some really good traditional worship venues. Yeah. Uh, traditional churches. But we don't offer a lot of alternatives to that. The alternatives would be, we went through the 90s where uh, churches started maybe starting contemporary services. To, to protect the people that were there so they wouldn't leave and go to contemporary services. Yeah. Right? So we've got a lot of traditional churches that are having contemporary worship in it. Um, you know. Not maybe, really contemporary maybe, churches. And that's probably not the best reason to start a contemporary service. Sure. To protect who's there. You know, we want to maintain focus on those in our community. Again, I never want to lose that passion and that feeling that I had when I when LaCroix United Methodist um, was so fixated on reaching people who weren't interested in church, and they still are, they have never lost focus of that mission. So I don't ever want to lose focus of that mission. And yeah. so that's really what fuels me and drives me. And so um, I love doing revitalization work with uh, Sue Nelson Kibbe, and uh, i got to give them a shout out, Grace Gerber in our department. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'm... That's kind of my secondary role here in West Ohio. Primary role is new church starts. And so there was a DS, Marcus Atha, uh, in the Columbus area. He was managing the new church start program uh, while at the same time serving as the DS of one of our larger districts. This is insider language. Sorry for your faithful listeners. He was basically doing two jobs and uh, uh, two really big jobs in big sprawling areas and it had to be feel like he was running in quicksand. Yeah, and so he was an advocate. We got to get somebody in here and all uh, they had done some um, had a consultant that come in and said you need to focus more on new church development Uh, because here's the facts of the matter, right? Revitalization in the business world it might take three to five years to change a culture. You know why? Because you're paid to do that. Right. So you love it or you can leave, you know, right? right? Um, in the church world, particularly in the United Methodist church world. Come on, preach. It might take five to seven years 
But if the pastor can survive it, people in the pews know that they may outlast that particular pastor. And so um, you got to have a lot of time and a lot of money sometimes to revitalize an existing culture yeah. in the church. Yeah, you're right. I like to say that change is like moving a cemetery. You never get much help from the inside. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> change true for change any, is like moving a cemetery. True for any, any part of the job force. Um, so realizing that it takes, um, it could take five to seven years yeah. to, to see turnaround at a church. And we need to be patient and we need to support pastors who are really trying to do that and have opportunities to do that. But if it takes five to seven years, and as, as we mentioned earlier, 90% of churches in the U.S., according to LifeWay, all churches are in decline. So, so 90% are in decline. It takes five to seven years to turn that 90% around, just say 90%. If, we, if, yeah. we, if you translated that just to West Ohio, that would be, say, 90% here. I'm not saying that it is 90%. I'm just saying that yeah. many of our churches needed to revitalize. It's going to take time. So while at the same time we're focusing energy and resources there, the consultant said, you've got to start some new churches, new faith communities. Um, and so coming into West Ohio was a new a position, a new position. That's, that was a good thing because I, I kind of got to help shape what that could look like. And so um, I learned quickly that, um, you know, humbling, humbling moments were... My model, the attractional model, what I like to say, the Willow Creek model of big, big auditoriums. Yeah, build it and they will come. Let's talk, call it Gingensburg model. That, I, that that was kind of my style. Sure. It's not the only style. Come to find out. <laughs> come to find. Oh my gosh! Particularly it's a... from, for young people, right? Um, young people still like it, but not all young people. So I had to realize that. Um, my my role really was to to find the visionaries, the spiritual entrepreneurs and help support their vision. And so I kind of I kind of operate with the mindset of uh, I'm the conference church planter and I'm here to help plant a new looking type of 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 culture here. And so my job is to recruit the launch team, which is the first wave of church planters. We're kind of on our third wave now. We call no. it the greenhouse. Um, also, you know, Bishop asked me to help raise money a few months ago. Um God love him for that. Yeah, uh, praise, <laughs> praise God for that dynamic confidence. opportunity. <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's really it's really helped me to 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 see my role here is I'm I'm not asking anyone to do anything that I'm not doing myself. I'm recruiting. I'm I'm connecting. I'm networking. Sure. I'm raising money. Um, I'm helping with strategy. And so through the greenhouse, we emphasize skills such as uh, leadership breakthrough prayer, uh, connecting, networking, uh, fundraising and stewardship, and then really just building that launch plan. And so once they come out of that greenhouse, they can apply for conference funding uh, to start a new church. The goal was to, from my perspective, to build a risk management system process uh, so that we could really build trust. Uh, New churches, it's a new concept, it's change, it's different it can be viewed as a threat sometimes. And so um, we have a lot of great assets in West Ohio, a lot of strong churches, a lot of great leaders. My my job was really to build trust with them so that we could, I like to say, go slow now so we could go fast later. That was a leadership lesson that I had to adjust and adapt coming into a new context, an outsider in the beginning with a lot of different labels, of course, like we all have, yeah. like we all give. I had to change my pace and not necessarily operate with the same urgency. It was good for me because it, we all need to, it was a lesson for me, we all need to be adaptable. Yeah, so, so um, I, I like to run at a pretty high pace as well. And so I'm interested in that idea about slowing down. And how, how did you personally... Uh, not not organizationally, but how, how do you um, how did you fight? And for me, it's uh, I'm going to use the word. It's an inner voice. This is we need to do more and we need to go faster, which, by the way, happens in my head all the time. How, how do you pump the brakes on that 
and get to a place of, um, as my buddy Wayne Botkin would say, that the pace of God's grace. How old are you? 38. Okay. 46. Okay. Things do slow down naturally at that point. A little bit. Is that, um, <laughs> is that, is that supposed to make you feel better? I don't know. Or you die. Or you die. Um, no. Or you die. Then, you, um, then, you're, then you're stopped. I will say it was it was God's grace. So it was just great. What who are now great friends, but what I would call good leaders mm-hmm. um, here who unintentionally forced me to slow down. And so again, coming in, um, I, I thought everybody wanted to start new churches because I, I don't look at it as starting new churches. I look at it as evangelism. I thought everybody wanted to reach our community for Jesus. And bring hope to our communities. That's really what we're doing here. Sure, it's just through the church, right? So, and, and, I, and everybody did. It's just I, I've always operated with this moniker in business, and um, even more in the church now. And it's it's what we talk about on day one of our greenhouse. Nothing moves faster than the speed of trust. Wow, say that one more time. Nothing moves faster than the speed of trust. There you go. So you cannot microwave that. And so I really had to, in the church, in the church world, I think people would say that I was really effective at, at gathering people, large crowds, which is very important business and in church planting, right? Um, I needed to take it, I needed to slow down and go a little deeper with people here. Hmm. I got here because I was... Born and raised in an area, everybody knew everybody. Couldn't walk into a place where they didn't know me or family or something, right? I was on TV, radio, newspapers. Sure. Here, as you can probably relate, you left all that left all that behind. Came to a context. I didn't have that. I started over, and so I thought I have credibility. You know, I'll just certainly have the resume. Let's just do things, right? But again. That doesn't matter. What matters is trust and relationships. And so uh, having some people, you know, uh, our cabinet, I won't, I won't, I don't want to leave anyone out, but the cabinet at the time, unintentionally, you know, they were very supportive, but I just had to slow down and just really get to know each of them. Eight people in the cabinet, I had to spend really quality time with each of them. And they're all different, right? They're all different backgrounds, different contexts. And so it really started there. Bishop affirmed me. Uh, he hired me. Many on the conference staff, obviously, that I work with wanted me here. Um, but again, it was a new concept. It was entrepreneurial, and people are afraid of entrepreneurs. Sure, sure. So. Okay, so that, that, that's a... It, um, yeah, there's a lot of questions there for me. Uh, how... Personally, how did you deal with, um, uh, let's call it a, a, the feeling of a setback? I'm not, I'm not sure it really was or not, um, but it, uh, just judging off of your body language, which it, no, nobody else can see, but um, it felt like that must have been a humbling and, and kind of a, a gut check moment for you. Tell me, where was your where was your faith in that moment? Did you Did you feel like... You may have overstepped moving to Ohio. I mean, was there was there a doubt in there? I, I mean, walk me through that emotionally, because I I think a lot of people hit stumbling blocks and yeah. don't know what to do. I think what I try to what we try to teach our kids is one of the most important things that you'll need to learn how to do in life later on is to be adaptable. Yeah. I mean, you're going to hit roadblocks. You're going to hit speed bumps. And, and that's under that's an understatement. I mean, many people we know suffer from terminal illness, right? And of so, course. Um, just maybe I think keeping it in perspective, people like us, you know, don't know you as well as I'd like to, but we can read people. Yeah. People like us, and my, one of my mentors, Jeff Posgate, he said, Brad, you're oftentimes going to be out here and the people that you work with or lead, they're going to be, they're not going to see it yet. And it's going to frustrate you if you don't change. So you've got to figure out a way to, to meet people where they are and bring people along. Yeah. My mentor says that it's not really leading if there's no one following. You're just Perfect. Yeah. being loud, yeah. which I have a gift for. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, uh, 
that's great. Um, great image. Uh, so I think, was it frustrating? Again, it wasn't in the grand scheme of things. It's not like we weren't getting a no. It was just like I, I realized early on that I had to slow down and build trust. And that's the theme of life now, isn't it? We have to be authentic. Mm-hmm. We have to build relationships. And uh, I, I shared with our greenhouse just this morning in a little Facebook group, could it be that um, relationships are the greatest assets in, in life? Oh, and sure. That's not financial. It's You can pick up a phone yesterday. Uh, I don't know when you're airing this, but we were recently at New City Church in Dayton. Uh, Chris said, you know, I'm trying to raise money to put in a full-length basketball court for the neighborhood kids. Before I knew it, and we, our lesson that day was fundraising and stewardship and sustainability in new ministries. And before I knew it, some of the greenhouse participants had their phones out calling or texting and trying to raise money. And so um, relationships, it's all about relationships. And um, so was it frustrated? Was I questioning our move? Um, I would say no, I wasn't to that extent. I, I had to be adaptable. I had to. Yeah. This is this is adaptable leadership. What's the world we live in right now, particularly in the United Methodist Church? Sure. It's not a technical, linear approach to things anymore. It's, it's adaptable. And so we have to be adaptable. Uh, we don't have to be, and many aren't. Um, but I'm choosing to build trust, meet people where they are. I'm here to serve you, Tony. I'm here to serve the cabinet. I'm here to serve the bishop. Um, I'm not here to tell you how to plant a church. Really, I'm here to support your vision for reaching new people through a new faith community. So I can tell you what I know, uh, but I don't want to hijack the vision that God has given you, really. So, Wow. That's a, on a rabbit trail. No, it's it's a good rabbit trail. And you know what? It's, it's important because I, I think that there, whether you're in the church world or not, I think that there's a lack of adaptability in our culture. And as a result, um, we get to a place where I I have to be, if, if you're right, then I have to be wrong or vice versa. When the reality is that's we can both be right differently. We can both be right differently. And, and I think that's true in reaching people for the kingdom. I think that's true in business. I think that's true in, in everything that we do. There's opportunities to, for both of us to be right. Yeah, that's a good, well, well stated. I mean, um, again, my, this season of life for me, I'm here to serve all the people in West Ohio. Um, and so... Um, how can I come alongside them, you, uh, to support you in being fruitful in your ministry to reach your community? I'm not compromising the mission to make disciples of Jesus to reach people like I was. Right. It's going to look different, um, but I never want to lose focus on the mission. Um, you know, I, I like to use the uh, image of the cruise ship versus the battleship. Yeah. Um, we need to be focused on the goal. Like people, you're a military person. You have a mission. I'm certainly not here to promote war. Always peace over war. Amen. But there is a there is a military and there are battles. And when you do have that, you have a mission. And you're probably not going to relent until the mission is accomplished. I think in the church, we have a greater mission that Jesus has given us. And again, it's life-changing. It has been for me. And so... Uh, I always encourage our churches, existing churches. I love cruise ships. I love going on cruises. They're awesome. You know why? Because when I walk on that cruise ship, life becomes all about me. Right. My preferences, my tastes, my wants, my desires. Man. You thought I was talking about a church, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That'll preach. <laughs> That'll no, preach. No, I mean, there's no, as Bishop says, there's n- there are no bad people, but, and, and it's not anyone's fault, uh, but we do have, in our country, we have churches that are based on preferences, and well, we, it, we've enabled that. As uh, well, certainly. I, I would say that for an entire generation, we spent so much time t- getting people to church that we forgot to teach them how to follow Jesus. And following Jesus looks way different than just going to church. And what I love about your approach is I really believe that you're trying to find passionate visionaries who are passionate not about building buildings 
or even building communities, but passionate about building Jesus followers. And that, um, you know, it's funny because Jesus says, follow me. And there's no, there's no ever uh, indication that Jesus stops moving. So we don't stop moving. We got to keep moving. We got to keep moving. So I I do want to ask you before time's up, um, trends that you're seeing in the church world and how people are connecting with faith. Because there there are families listening and people are like, man, I just, I'm not sure Sunday morning fits for me anymore. I'm not sure like Saturday evening fits. I'm not sure. What are the trends that you see? I love trends. I love Mm -hmm. trying to be on the front end of trends. Um, Do you read Barna trends? I do. Okay. I do sometimes. Uh, I haven't seen this year's yet. Um, but what, what, what are you seeing? Um, what are you seeing out there? Well, I can only, I, I don't want to speculate on fantasy. I want to speculate on fruit. And so just right here in Ohio, Come on, alone, that... um, I can share with you the eight new faith communities that we've started in the last two years now, probably they're all different. We have what you would call, this is going to be insider language for some but it is what it is. It's called Dinner Church uh, in, up in Toledo. Yeah. And the pastor, Steve North, who had a really creative vision to, uh, he's been doing this for years, but it was really out of the box. Um, but now we are uh, acknowledging it, so to speak. That sounds bad, but uh, we are affirming that this guy's really leading a change. And so it's a dinner church. It meets once a month. Two to 400 people come to his house break bread together, worship, have church. Uh, these people probably might not be interested in the, the Sunday morning experience. The average worship in America now is slightly under two times a month. And so I said when I came, the first person that starts wants to start a new church that meets once a month, they're probably going to be on to something, right? Right. Um, so, so that's one that I think is really... I think all churches are attractional. I've heard the attractional missional. I don't agree with that because we're all attracted to church for some reason, whether it's uh, sanctuary, whether it's 150-year-old building, whether it's Sunday school, whether it's dinner church. It's just that some are more attractive than others. Gotcha. I I got you. So so that's one that wouldn't be your standard uh, model, the one up on the – State line of Toledo Farmhouse Sabbath is what it's called. Similar situation, very rural. They meet out in the middle of nowhere. They mean a, in an actual farmhouse, people. right? Yeah. Yeah, he's tapped into uh, something, a need there to be in community together. And so they are launching their new barn here in about a month, I think. Um, that's going to be a fully functioning uh, faith community. Um, we have one in the Columbus area that would be more the attractional model uh, Sunday morning worship. Uh, Central City Church. Yeah, um, it's created because it was launched out of Athens, which is in a totally a different district. Um, and then, uh, of course, we have Mosaic in Dayton, which was a partnership between Christ Kettering and Niensburg. Um, started out in the movie theater, doing very well. Definitely beyond critical mass. <clears throat> so that trend is still holding true. Um, what, what do you, what do you leave some out? And what do you, yeah, but what do you think's next? Well, I so will like, say four. Uh, let me just share the, the four common characteristics that we're seeing in growing churches around mm-hmm. America, all denominations. Quality at every level. Quality across the board. Like when I came in here, emphasizing quality. Young people, especially, are really into loyalty around brands, and and they see brands as is taking pride in quality. So quality at every level. Mm. <clears throat> you look at some of the fast-growing churches we have just in Ohio, it's quality, right? Whether it's worship, hospitality, small group, gatherings, promotional things. Um, so quality, uh, authentic community. Um, we see a lot of, uh, of our larger churches, not just UMC, but we see a lot of our larger churches just exploding with young people with the attractional model, smoke and lights, you know, they're flocking these churches because they're finding authentic community. What they're also finding is diversity. Hmm. Um, that that word has a lot of different meanings today, I know. But when they walk into these growing churches, they see people that they 
work with and relate to the other six days of the week. So when they walk into these churches, it's like the real world to them. Uh, and they're also, the fourth trend is uh, people are looking for a place to make a difference. And so... Love that. Uh, Church Without Walls, is it your mm-hmm. hashtag? That's yeah. our hashtag, so, yeah. So it looks like you're doing a lot of these things well. Um, it's no wonder that you're blowing up here. Well, I don't know about that. We're having fun. God's, <laughs> God's doing a lot of cool stuff. It's all about leadership. Well... We're, and we're very thankful to have some incredible leaders around us here at Restoration. So, um, okay, so the last question I always like to ask people, and I'm really appreciative of your time today. I know that you're super busy. It's really um, my pleasure. Thank you. The, Appreciate it. The last question I always like to ask people is if you could go back and give yourself one piece of advice, maybe uh, right after you and Anne get married, um, before you're about to go on this huge journey with your business and your faith and all this stuff, What's the one piece of advice that you would give yourself in hindsight? I would say um, hold most things in life loosely, but hold Jesus tightly. Okay. Um, I mean, that's not family or anything like that. That's just our beliefs, our opinions. You know, Paul says, follow me as I follow Jesus, but no further. And so I would say, you know, throughout my life, I've, I've always tried to find common ground with people um, but here at 46 being on a journey still going on that journey you realize some of those conversations or arguments or debates that we have as we're having now they're not that important at the end of the day it's about the relationships that you have with people if you don't have the relationships or trust people are going to check they're going to check out right if you have the trust I could probably say things to you that I couldn't say otherwise. Hmm. But um, so that would be, I think, one thing. I mean, that's a tough question. Well, I, so other people, you should have given me that ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know what? It's it's good to get the natural reaction. You did a great job. I think that's a great answer. So I, I hold hold uh, stuff loosely. Hold Jesus tightly. I, that'll that'll preach any day of the week. That'll preach any day of the week. Uh, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something I don't normally do, but I'm going to ask you if there is a way that our listeners can be praying for what God's doing through West Ohio and New Church Development. Do you, are there specific things that we can pray for? Do you have um, one or two things that, that anybody who's listening at the end of this conversation can pray for specifically? So you don't have time for my list of 12? I'm just kidding. Well, um, I, we can no. put them in the show notes. I would say, uh, <laughs> thank you for asking. Um, I would say that, that God would just continue to raise up leaders with a vision. Mm. Um, I think leaders with a vision can change the world. Maybe they can not. do anything. Um, if you don't have vision, though, it's going to be challenging. And so help us continue to cultivate, to raise up, identify, cultivate leaders with a vision. And then also, as I mentioned, I'm helping Bishop Palmer raise money for it and so you know just continue to I would say ignite the heart and passion of people who truly want to see lives transformed through these new faith communities like you've heard some of the stories Um, so that we can continue to resource them Uh, we're over halfway to our campaign here and um, we've, we've been very blessed it's only by the grace of God that people have given what they've given. And so we just want to continue to to be able to support these startups. It really is like a startup business. And yeah. So we have a clear vision. We want to support it. And so we don't want to have any limitations on that. That's awesome. That's awesome. So okay. So if, if people want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? What Where can they find you on the interwebs? Um, so Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. What's your Brad, handle? Brad Acock. Brad Acock. Um, I have reached my limits on Facebook, but I'm oh, sorry it's time that. to launch a page, bro. It's <laughs> time to launch a page. Nothing against that. I'm just not. I'm just You're not, not there. You're not there. It's okay. <laughs> uh, but it's Instagram, Brad Acock, Twitter, Brad Acock, and then and we'll link to all that in the show notes, and that'll be great. And then email if you if you know a leader out there, the spiritual entrepreneur who has a heart to reach their community and is called to do it through the church. We would love to talk to them about maybe starting a new faith community. We have our greenhouse recruitment tour stops around the conference, and so that's uh, 
a day full of just interviewing people who uh, may have a dream, a vision that God has given them, and they want to share it with us, and, and we want to see how we can best support you. And, and one of those options may be going into our greenhouse program. As I mentioned, it helps shape the vision a little bit more clear, figure out the risk, yeah. and what it would take to come alongside you. Love it. So I can I get you it. those dates if you want to post them. Yeah, we, we can post them in the notes, and then we can also uh, we'll link to the online giving portal. If you feel called to support future church plants, we would uh, we would love to help facilitate that for you. Anybody who's listening, um, a tremendous opportunity to share the gospel. And uh, and Brad, thank you, thank you Thanks. so much for taking the time today and for sharing your story and how God's using you. And um, I'm just excited to see what God continues to do through uh, your gifts and graces. So. Just pray that I'll stay out of the way of it. Let Amen. God, let God do what God does. Thank you Amen. for what you're doing here you're at the church and also with the podcast. It's awesome. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in today to my conversation with Brad. I hope that you find uh, everything that we talked about today life-giving and inspiring to you. I know for me, one of the things that I'll take away is Brad's relentless pursuit of hearing God's voice. What a gift and a reminder that is for so many of us. So no matter where you are on your, on your individual journey, take some time to listen to God. Take Brad's advice. Really sort it out. Also, if, uh, if you could do us a favor and share this episode, maybe jump into the conversation, give Brad a follow, tell him how much you appreciated him being on the show. Uh, I know he would love that. I would love that as well. So good to connect with friends. Can't wait to share with you an upcoming episode on urban ministry for my dear friend, Pastor Corey Cunningham, Uh, that and so much more. The best way to make sure you don't miss an episode is to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, I'll see you guys real soon.